0: Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's Word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message.
1: I said if you operate the natural human love, because we're all born into that. But the problem with the natural human love is that it's a victim of sin. When Adam fell, man's dealing with each other became selfish. It became offendable. We saw that the moment Adam and Eve sinned. When God said, what did you do? Why do you tell me that you are naked? Did you do what I asked you not to do? He said, the woman you gave me, it threw the wife away. And we asked the wife, why did you do that? The wife said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So they, were, they, they defaulted into self-preservation mode, and that's characteristic of natural human love. Natural human love, it's selfish. It's self-centered. It puts its own interests above any other person's interest. That's why if you have a mother who has a child or children and there are other children there, it is natural for her to be more protective over her own than the other one. Am I lying? Answer I me mean, now, am I lying? That's a classical example. And if they are sharing food to children and her own is there and they are supposed to give me, the tendency to give her children more and better is there. Am I lying? It's called natural love. Selfish, self-centered, self-interest above the rest. But if you're going to walk in the love of God and you're going to experience God's presence and backing, you must operate the love of God. Now, listen to this. A husband, you can walk in natural love towards your wife. Wives, you can walk in natural love towards your husband. Do that, get ready, you're going to face offense. Two of you are going to be selfish with each other. You'll be hiding things from each other. All right? You'll be, you know, um, you'll be having occasional, occasional crisis. But if you're going to operate the love of God, then you are inviting God into your relationship. Now, let me move from that. Church people, everybody say church people. Church. Look at your brother and your sister. Say hello. hello. Say church people. If you are going to operate the natural love, you'll fight yourself. You're going to, Paul say you're going to devour yourself. You're going to have issues with yourself because you're going to be selfish. You will not care about people because you're only interested in yourself. When you come to church, is God. How can you help me? Give me breakthrough. Give me blessing. That thing I've been believing in God for. What's happening? You don't even care about who is coming to church, who, who is not coming. Or you, the person that you've not seen for about a week. It doesn't bother you. All you are interested in is how, how can today's service bless me? How can today's service help me? I many if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's all you think about. You are not concerned about what is God saying. What is God doing? How can I be a part of what God is saying and what God is doing? It's only when you operate the love of God you think like that. When you think about the love, when you operate the love of God, you are conscious about souls. You are thinking about people who are perishing and going to hell, and you're not doing anything about it. You think about praying for the pastors, praying for your fellow brothers and sisters, so that they will be established in the word of God, so that the kingdom of Christ can advance and make a difference. Those are the kind of things you think. And when you think like that, the Spirit of God finds it easier to flow through you. But when you are selfish, you restrict the dealings of the Spirit in your life. Satan knows this very well. And that's why he has orchestrated the works of the flesh to ensure that you and I do not walk in love. So occasionally, um, and he has, you know, he has, um, uh, how will I put it, he has also positioned strategic antichrist reasonings and behavior to ensure that you don't walk in love you walk in something else all right so we've looked at the characteristic of the God kind of love that if you are walking in love what is the first thing you forbear is that not so when you walk and love the God way you're patient look get this clear nobody's perfect Get it clear. but when you operate in the love of God you'll be patient through us your brother number two if you walk in the love of God you'll be kind Whenever you lose your kindness, you stepped out of the love of God. Or you become very unkind. All right? And 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 we said something about patience. We said patience is remaining consistent with your persuasion in the word, irrespective of the situation. So you so you cannot be in a choir and maybe something is going on. Then you not get angry. Ah, you're out of love. You're not in love. You're operating in the flesh. Or somebody's not walking away with the way Then just everything will scatter. No, that's flesh. That's flesh. Because if you walk in the love of God, you're patient. Number three, when you walk in the love of God, you don't envy. What does it mean to envy? It means to be intimidated by another person's progress. When you hear that somebody's progressing, it starts to affect you. You're unhappy. You're believing God for a child, and and when you hear that somebody's pregnant and and is dedicating a baby, you now start feeling funny. Start feeling funny. That's that's envy. That's not love. The love of God rejoices with those that what rejoice. They celebrate with those that celebrate. There was a woman who had issue having a child. And uh, she prayed and all, all the things she could have done. But she never knew that her problem was she didn't like children, other people's children. Anytime she comes around children, there's this um, it is hatred. And that was what the offense that was blocking her from receiving, until the Holy Spirit told her through someone, said, Your heart is wrong. Because if you have a forgiveness in your heart it will affect your faith and she repented and that same year she took in and she had a child so when you walk in the love of God brothers and sisters you don't envy the love of God does not vaunt itself it doesn't show off Satan wanted Jesus to show off if you are the son of God command these stones to become bread no God doesn't do that if God wanted to show off I mean, I mean we just enter one uh, hospital and release everybody that are sick that's showing power now is it that god cannot displace power? he can but it's not in the nature of love to show off because showing off speaks of intimidation and god doesn't work like that god is a god of love do you understand that if god wanted to intimidate everybody into believing him i mean the whole world would have been saved by now but god never created man for that he gave you a will and he wanted a love of relationship we said also love the love of god is not puffed up or is not proud If you are proud, you are not walking in the love of God. You are walking in, in something else. All right. And we said the love of God does not behave out of character or unseemly. The love of God does not seek our own. It's not self-serving. When you look at someone who operates about the love of God, he's thinking about kingdom. It's not motivated and led by sin. I wrote an article. I don't know if some of you read that. I said, do not be controlled by your need. If you've not read it, go and read it. Many of you are controlled by your need. Your emotion is conditioned by your need. The way your excitement is determined by your need. If the thing does not address your need, you are not involved. You won't go very far. So you need to repent of that. The the God, Christ kind of life is not easily provoked. It's not easily angered. It can be angered, but it's not easily angered. The Christ kind of love does not think evil or does not brood over wrong. It doesn't brood over wrong. Then about. Uh, the next one says the love of God does not rejoice in iniquity or injustice or unfairness. The Christ kind of love rejoices in the truth or whatever is fair. The Christ kind of love bears all things. The word bears means to cover with silence, to protect or to keep by covering, to preserve. All right? To keep off something which threatens. There are some of you, if certain things happen to a fellow brother, you will be the self-campaign manager that will be publishing it on the street everywhere. Did you do hear what happened? Did you do hear what happened? Did you do hear what happened? You can't protect people's confidence and issue. So people can't even trust you. That's called gossip. The love of God doesn't gossip. The love of God believes all things or is full of confident, godly expectation that even though you're struggling, the best is yet to come. Say amen. Yeah. The love of God endures all things. In other words, it has the courage to persevere in the midst of adversity. Your love for your husband and your wife will not change because you're going through difficult times. Hello. Do you understand what I mean by that? A time will come that maybe either of you financially may not be buoyant, or maybe you may be led to take a decision that puts a financial constraint on one of you for the moment or for the time being. The other one will understand. I will not be using it to hit him. You say you're a man. Are you not supposed to be providing? What's going on here? That's wrong. That's using the Bible as a law. Do you understand that? The love of God doesn't do that. All right? So sometimes grace may, may walk in such a way that the woman will be the one with finance. And for you men who have a problem with your woman, your wife making money, you better repent. It's, on, it's, it's Antichrist. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, it's Antichrist. Sometimes your wife can even earn better than you. It's all we. Is that not true? It's only a foolish man that, that bothers him. Somebody said, I, I rejected the car. Why? When, the, when we wanted to get married, the father of the, my wife wanted to give a car. But I said, I'm a man. I will not receive it. You are a fool. A big fool. That was favor speaking for you. Bible says he that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing and obtain favor from God. What's wrong with you? You are a traditionalist. Maybe you have listened to one idiot. No, no, not a camel. no, Hey." and He doesn't have a bicycle, not even a car. Then you're not going to listen to him say, No, 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 tell them, No, say you've man. Yes, what does that even mean? Then instead of you take the car, maybe it was a brand new car and has AC, you will not take, they will not give it to somebody, they will not use it to pass you and go, Hey, how are you there? Though. they will not be strong? Say, Yes, I'm a man. No, you're a foolish man. All right, you're not intimidated because you understand your value is not in accomplishment but in Christ. Do you understand that? Your value is what? Your value is not in the fact that you are a man. Your value is not in the fact that you are in your achievement. Your value is in the fact that you are in Christ. Amen. So you are not intimidated by each other's progress. Because it's not in the love of God to be intimidated by each other. Because you love. I remember the story of a man who uh, was a medical doctor. He lost his job. Had a lot of friends. And things were rough for him. The the wife um, happened to be a teacher. And it was bad for a while. Everybody said for a while was bad for a while. But the woman with her teacher salary was taking care of the family. She was looking for a job. Nothing was happening. Then all the friends, you know there are people that I call the their fair weather friends. When it is good, you are, you are, everybody's around you. But when it becomes tough, they don't want to pick your call because they think you will ask them for money. Is that not true? That's how you know those who truly love you and who care about you and who believe in you because of you, not just because of what they are benefiting from you. Because we have too many... Um, Fair weather friends, even in church, when, when they know you're going through a tough time, they, they pull away saying, Go, they ask me for money. If you have given, if you don't have said, I don't have now, but I'll see what I can do. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're honest. You don't start treating the person as because your tongue will come. Oh, I hope you know that. Paul said, I know how to abase and how to abandon. So it, it's part of the cycles we go through. So the, the person that was telling me said he went to the house one day. And he said all the reason why this thing was going through, he never saw the woman change her countenance one day. Whether she was pretending or not, I don't know. But it, the, the husband never complained one day. And they managed what they could afford. And they were okay with it. Because when you go through seasons of not too much, you step down on the taste. What did I say? <laughs> step down on the taste. You don't, you don't afford too many things. You keep it down. When DSTV decided to increase my subscription, I downgraded it. I went from where they took it to the smallest one. My daughter said, Daddy, this thing is useless. I said, No problem. When it's finished, there will be no DSTV again. Don't worry. You, you're wise. You manage yourself. All right? So, one day, by divine favor, somebody took his CV and it, it, it found its way to the board of directors of First Bank. They looked at it, and they found that the guy had qualified. Because when favor speaks for you, they'll find you. So they called him. They said, we we'll like your CV and your experience. We'd we'll like you to become a medical director. Uh-uh. The guy was shocked. So he accepted. When they showed him the package, you know that God pays. Everybody say, God pays. God say that one more time. God That's why women, when your husband is going through tough time, treat him well. Don't make him feel foolish and miserable. Don't, don't send secret message to him. Pray for him. As, as far as your husband, he's not a lazy man, OK? If he's a lazy man, um, ask the Holy Ghost fire to work on him. Do you understand me? Did you hear what I said? Has the Holy Ghost fire to burn him. He won't kill him. He will, he will refine him, all right? You are not supposed to be lazy. But, but you can be hardworking. and there are some seasons that can drag. Because God is working out something. But don't be unkind to yourself. Don't make the man feel, you know you, you should do something, but you will, you will leave it. And you know there's nothing the man can do. That's been wicked. Anyway, so they, they called the guy. When he saw the package, he agreed. And he told him, say said, before you start the job, because of the level that you're starting, you're going to go on a vacation with your family for one month before you start the job. How many of you like that kind of job? Paid him. Man went. Came back. It happened in Lagos. What I'm telling you, happened. All of a sudden, you know what the first thing he did? And when they were going to church, they will be using uh, malware to go to church. The woman never complained. The first money that hit the guy's account, he just called you and said, come. Say, what? Say, follow me. Say, where are we going? He said, follow me. Went to a brand new car shop. Told the wife, pick one. eh? he said pick one bought it in her name and gave it to her she wasn't expecting that she was just just benefited out of her kind heartedness amen Amen. alright so let's learn from that it can happen between that's why the love of God is very key alright so we've looked at the love of God now what are those areas of offense that Satan uses to try to stop us from operating in the love of God are you ready to know that it's in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. And the list of offenses under the categories of offenses that are trying to prevent you and I from walking in love. Number one, hatred. Everybody say hatred. hatred. I didn't hear you say it loud. Hatred. Say it loud. Hatred. Louder. Hatred. Louder. Hatred. Louder. Hatred. Louder. Hatred. Look, look at your neighbor say, do you do you hate? So he said, no, God forbid, it's a lie. Listen. <clears throat> what is the meaning of hatred? Let me just tell you what hatred means. These are the words that explain hatred. Then I will ask you again, do you hate? The word hatred simply means to be hostile. Everybody say hostile. The word hostile means to be unfriendly. If you are unfriendly, you are hating. Did you hear what I said? Hello. If you are unfriendly, you are what? You are hating. The word of friendly hostile means hostile. Hostile it means intense dislike. It means to be aggressive. It also means to be argumentative. So if you are argument, you are the argumentative type. You have a problem with hatred. What the devil is trying to do is because he doesn't want you to communicate. When people hate, they don't communicate. They have this intense dislike. And Satan will stir up this setup of offense to get you to dislike, to be hostile, to be argumentative, and to be aggressive. You fall for that because he wants to pollute the way you think, the way you feel. So write this down. Hatred is a hostile, aggressive, or argumentative way, I'll say it again, hatred is hostile, aggressive, or argumentative way of thinking, feeling, and behaving, because these are lifestyle attack, I said I want you to think, feel, and act with hatred, some of us, we have hatred. The enemy will just use an offense. What is offense? You know, I was reading a translation uh, yesterday, and I discovered that in the New American Standard Version of the Bible, the word offense was translated as stumbling block. Actually, the root Greek word for offense means to be entrapped or to fall into a trap. So the enemy can, can use situation or circumstance, or somebody may do something wrong to you, but it will use to provoke hatred inside you. To get you to become argumentative. To get you to become aggressive, unfriendly. You become, you, they can't communicate with you. You, you. you shut down, your emotion is taken over by hatred. You become hostile. You don't reason anymore. Because hatred has taken over your reasoning, your emotion, and the way you act. Now, the goal of the assault of hatred is to prevent you and I from walking in the love of God. Because once you hate, you don't love what you hate. Is that not true? Hello? Many of you think hatred, you never saw it that way, but that's the truth. When you hate, you become unfriendly. So if you're unfriendly, you are hating. What did I say? Deceptive work of the flesh. And it can happen in families. It can happen in marriage relationship, in church. We can start hating. When well, you become unfriendly. And once you're unfriendly, that means you're not approachable. You, there's, there's this awe, this atmosphere around you, nobody can come close. And that's wrong. That's very wrong. What is making you think, feel, and behave that is hatred. I need to get rid of it. He wants you to hate. Now, you do not love what you hate. And God equates hatred with murder. What did I say? write this down 1st John three fifteen. whosoever hates his brother is not like is a murderer so if you hate your husband you are a murderer a murderer is a killer to hate to, according to God is to kill hatred is equivalent to murder and you know that no mother or murderer has eternal life abiding in him when you hate you are a killer what did I say Remember, hatred has been hostile, unfriendly, aggressive, argumentative. All right? Now, can I say this? To hate, according to 1 John 3:15, is foreign to the love nature of Christ. When you operate in the love of God, you don't hate. Do you understand what I mean? But if you operate with natural love, you will be set up for hatred. It comes with the territory, because when he does one thing you don't like. You are, you are you're put off. You know, there are some people they don't tolerate anybody. They have some standards they care for themselves. And if people don't meet those standards, they get upset. They get angry. They justify that, you know, I don't take nonsense. No, it's not that you don't take nonsense. You are hating. Yes, you are hating. You better repent of that. Did you hear what I said? Say, yes, so, no, so that's mine. So, that's me. You know, that's my. You are hating. Don't speak English. I hate it. To hate is foreign to our love nature in Christ. Now, let me give you an example with Jesus. Jesus, I want you to reason with me, everybody. Are you still with me? Are you with me? If you are not with me, I can stop the service. Are you with me? All right. Jesus could have hated the Jews for what they did to him. What they did to him was offensive. He could have hated them. Let me give you an example. His arrest, now what I want to share with you is not to impress you. I asked the Holy Spirit for something, and he gave me. I want to read through the New Testament. So I told my daughter, I want to read 20 chapters a day. By After like two or three hours, I had read 20 chapters of the book of Matthew. But I told my wife before I went to bed is I finished the book of Matthew and began the book of Mark yesterday. I'll finish the book of Mark today. And I found that if you concentrate in about two or three hours, you can read through the entire book of Matthew in about three hours, and which I did. After I finished yesterday, I started preparing for church. All right. Now, one of the things I found out is this. That Jesus' arrest, the way he was arrested, the way he was prosecuted, he did not have what they call fair hearing. Was his hearing fair? No. His sentencing was not fair. It was a setup. His torture was unfair. He wasn't a criminal and his eventual crucifixion were all fraudulent. It was a fraud. Due to his love for man, Christ allowed himself to be treated like a hardened criminal. The way they treated him is the way they treat a criminal. A hardened one, not just a criminal. You be a criminal, you are still learning. But when you are hardened, that's how they treat you. Despite all the mistreatment Christ went through, just to tell you that what you are going through is not compared to christ despite all the mistreatment christ went through he still chose not to hate the love of christ is amazing because he doesn't hate let me tell you what he prayed for them why they were they were nailing him to the cross? if you were you they were putting nail to your cross you'll be swearing cursing them to your fifth generation it will not be well with you god will punish all of you your your parents will die your children will die they will have accident um plane will fall on top of them <laughs> that's natural man talking but here it is look at what jesus prayed in luke 23 33 and 34 you can write this down for time sake let me read it and when they were come to the place which is called calvary luke 22 three, thirty-three, where they crucified him and the malefactors, factors the word malefactor factor means the criminals one on the right hand and the other on the left hand can you imagine they killed him him between two criminals, why did they do that to give the image that he too was a criminal? Is that not true? Because when you crucify so many more criminals, what are you saying? They are all, criminal. all criminals. Verse 34 Then said Jesus, My goodness, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. Eh, what did he say? He didn't say God should punish them, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. If they only knew, but they don't know. And they parted his raiment and cast lot. You know what matters? They took his garment from him and they were using it to gamble in his front. If you read the other verses, they began to mock him. Oh, yeah. Hey, King of the Jews, come on from there. Come and save us. Come and save Save yourself. You were claiming you have power. Oh, yeah. Resurrect. You say you will destroy the temple in three days. They were mocking him. He said not a word. I learned a wisdom from that. Sometimes when you are tempted to be provoked, one of the greatest characters you can display is to be quiet. To be what? Don't talk. I advised a man one time. I said, whenever your wife provokes you, I say, walk. Don't give in to the flesh. Just walk. It takes great restraint for a wife to provoke a horseman, and the man holds himself. Ah, it takes restraint. Takes restraint. God also equates hatred to living a lie. When you hate, you are living a lie. As far as God is concerned, you are a liar. And if you are a liar, that means you are the devil, because the devil is a liar. Is that not true? When you hate, you lie. First John four twenty. If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. You can't claim you love God and you hate people. It doesn't work. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean what they do to you is fair. But you can't hate you are not listen can i say this you are not in control of another person's behavior what did i say say that again i don't control how people think towards me i don't control how people behave towards me that's not my place but i can control how i choose to respond to what they do because where god will hold you responsible is how do you respond to what they do to you what they do may be wrong that's your business that's between them and god not your business but you can control the way you respond say amen When you hate, you can kill. Write that down. When you hate, you can do what? Yeah, you can kill. Story that happened in America recently. A woman that was 52 years old was having an affair with a man that is in his 40s. The the woman was married, had two children. The husband was not aware. So one of the days, the husband traveled with the children. Whenever the man travels, the boyfriend will come, and they will do their thing. After a while, the woman said she was not doing it again. Maybe she's already having guilt or something. But the guy didn't want the relationship to stop. So one of the days he went to visit to try to tell the man to reconsider the man refused and an argument broke out from an argument the man became very angry obviously envious and all that and out of took the kitchen and stabbed her over 50 times bundled her body inside a sport bag and dragged it some distance away from the house and dumped it fortunately for him a security camera from one of the place caught him i said they caught him because when you hate you can kill hallelujah Alright, the second works of the flesh that the enemy uses as offense is the Bible calls it variance. Everybody say variance. Yeah. Now, you and I will be faced with all this every day. So if you don't choose to walk by the love of God, then you will walk in the flesh. Alright? Everybody say variance. Yeah. What do we mean by variance? Variance simply means quarry. Quarry. Quarry <laughs> listen, you know, quarrel is a relational fallout. It's a relational fallout. Whenever there is misunderstanding, quarrel will come. Not that it must come, but quarrel is the work of the flesh reaction to misunderstanding. Did you hear what I said? Peaceful settlement is the spirit way to misunderstanding. Did you hear what I said? Let me repeat that. Quarrel is the work of the flesh way to misunderstanding. Why? Peaceful settlement is the... um, the spirit way, the, the spirit way to, say, to, to dealing with misunderstanding. Because there will be misunderstanding. Look at me, I there will be misunderstanding. Your husband is not perfect, your wife is not perfect. You will have misunderstanding. But how do you deal with it? There are some people that are difficult. So you can't even reason with them. The flesh has taken over their soul and is sitting like an area boy in their mind. They will not apologize. They will not take responsibility for the action. Rather, they'll blame somebody else. That's someone who is walking in the flesh. And if you walk in the flesh, peace will not be your option. You like trouble. You like war. If everyone is not shaking, your body no, to the come down. You know, people like that? Something must shake. Something must. Why are quiet like this now? Why are we quiet? You know, my mom, when we were growing up, she used to shout, scream. So we're used to that. So one day we heard she wasn't shouting. So uh-uh, everyone just come. So wait to her, uh, Mama. Mumsi, are you okay? So what do you mean? Eh, everywhere, just calm, no shouting, nothing, no screaming. <laughs> the way she looked at us that day. <laughs> Some of us will like, we We've become used to to chaos. We are used to chaos. We're, if the thing is, if there's no confusion, there's no crisis. We're not okay. Why, why, why? Somebody, somebody should do something. We need to fight. As if if fighting is a way of life. You've been made a victim of the works of the flesh. So variance means quarry. Now, what, what, when we use the word variance, what do we mean? But let, let's, let's define what quarry is first. What is a quarry? A quarry is simply a heated argument or disagreement. Why are you quarrying? Because there's no agreement. It's a misunderstanding. It's a heated argument or disagreement, typically about a trivial issue. They use the word trivial. This is the def- dictionary definition for quarrel. A trivial issue. And between people who are usually on good terms. You don't quarrel with a stranger. You don't know, her. Is that not true? Huh? Do you quarrel with a stranger? You don't know. You, there must be some form of relationship between you and the person involved. It may not be a husband and wife. You may know each other as family or other forms of relationship. Okay? So quarrel is the flesh way response to misunderstanding, disagreement. That's the flesh way. Quarrel. Start shouting, having heated arguments, screaming. And the problem with quarrel is that nobody's listening to each other. Ah, this one is shouting, this one is also shouting. And two people cannot talk at the same time. Is is madness. Is that not true? For there to be communication, there must be a send and there must be a receive. Is that not so? Eh? Huh? Answer me now. Is it not true? When somebody communicates, the other one listens. Then when the other person starts talking, the other person starts. Listen when the two people say they want to talk at the same time, what will happen? Quarry. Is that not true? Answer me now. Is it not true? Are you still here? So a quarrel is a heated argument or disagreement, typically about a trivial issue, and between people who are usually on good terms, which tells you that Satan wants to use quarrel to destroy the harmony in a relationship. That's what the, that's the purpose. He doesn't want you to walk in harmony, he wants to destroy that. So What is, why do we look at quarreling Quarreling or variance is a quarrelsome, everybody say quarrelsome. Everybody say quarrelsome. Variance is a quarrelsome way of, write it down, variance is a quarrelsome way of thinking. Variance is a quarrelsome way of thinking, feeling, and behavior. When the works of the flesh of variance is working inside you, you become, you become quarrelsome in the way you are thinking, quarrelsome in the way you feel, and quarrelsome in the way you behave. When we use the word quarrelsome, what do we mean? Very simple. It means to be hot-tempered. What did I say? Hot-tempered. Everybody know what hot temper is. You don't need any explanation. When you are quarrelsome, you are what? Hot-tempered. It also means difficult. When you are difficult, it means you are unreasonable. You don't want to understand. You're only interested in saying what is in your mind. Are we all here? Why am I getting some vibe from some of you? Do you love me? Eh? Am I I talking to something? The way some of you are looking at me. Anyway, you can't touch me. That's the truth. So just don't bother yourself there. All right? Okay. So when you're quarrelsome, you are hot tempered you are difficult you don't want to reason you you've reached a stage where your selfishness is overflowing what did i say you have overflow of selfishness so you're only thinking about you yourself and you're not trying to understand anything so once that happens to you you become a candidate for quarreling is that clear but what you don't understand is that quarreling is a work of the flesh it doesn't help it destroys anything it touches because the works of the flesh will always lead to death. It kills. Anywhere the works of the flesh is allowed to operate, it will kill it. If it's a relationship, it will kill it. If it's a business, it will kill it. If it's a family, it will kill it. That's why it's called the works of the flesh. But the love of God is not quarrelsome. Let me ask you a question. You think Jesus didn't have enough more than enough reason to quarrel with all his disciples? You think he didn't have? Huh? Eh? You think he didn't have reasons? The disciples, if you study the Bible carefully, they were not the most easy people to get along with. Hello? Oh, you don't know. Only Peter alone runs his mouth like somebody that has mouth diarrhea. Talks anyhow. Always ahead of himself. One day Jesus told them, um, you guys are going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. He said, what? He quoted one of the prophets. He said, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will be scattered. Peter said, lie, lie to lie, lie. My paraphrase. cannot happen. Me, leave you. <laughs> Master, leave that thing. Even if everybody here will go, me, I will stay. That's Peter for you. Do you know how many times he has done that to Jesus and he failed? One time, Jesus even called him a devil. Say, said, come on, get behind me, devil. But this time when Jesus said this, Jesus will look at him like this. You know, he said, Peter, say before the cock we crow today, today, you will deny me three times. He used the word three so that if it's once, that mistake. Two, maybe you not think well. Three, not a mistake. When you do one thing three times, it's not a mistake. It's in your heart. So it was with Peter. I know your intention is good, but the conditioning of your heart is not the same thing with your intention. You will deny me flat. And the first two cases after Jesus was arrested, when the first the first girl approached him, Bible said, "I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't know him. Never met him." At this time, it didn't dawn on him. Second thing, because that was his reality. Second time, another woman said, Hey, I know you. I know you. I know you. You're always with me. you the man from Galilee. He said, I don't know him. Then the third time one of that servant saw him, Bible said, Peter began to swear. If I know, I may God punish me. If I don't see, I make it no better. Make ground, open, swallow me. <laughs> As he was busy, cursing, cursing, then the cock that was growing, the cock was like, look, I see, yeah, hear yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> when peter the bible said when peter had the cock he wept bitterly as a neighbor say 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 are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker a peacemaker always seek a peaceful resolution to everything a troublemaker just wants to make trouble they are unreasonable They are difficult that means the work of the flesh of variance. They, 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 if they don't shake the whole place, they are hot tempered. Difficult. Ah! But, but always remember the solution is what matters. Isn't true? Right? Expressing how happy you are about the thing, does it change anything? No. You just set yourself for BP. The solu- what is the solution? What is the way forward? That's what matters. That's what peace does. All right, is that clear? Like, like, um, like hatred, the goal of variance, remember we said variance is what quarrel, quarrelsome, eh? The goal of variance is to prevent us from walking in love. You do not love those you quarrel with. Is that not true? Do you love those you quarrel with? Answer me now. Come on, everybody. Do you love those you quarrel with? So let me say this. Avoid any opportunity to quarrel because it will steal your peace. When you're quarrelsome, you will never be at peace. You will look harassed. You'll be having a headache that you cannot trace the source. You'll be hissing while you are sleeping. <coughs> 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 You'll be turning many times on the bed. Only you will be worrying yourself. And the problem with when, you are, when you're quarrelsome, when other people are calm, it annoys you. Maybe if you're talking to your spouse and it's not as... Looking troubled like you, you get angry. So it's me that is mad now. Nah? Say it's me that you will not be insulting yourself. You know that people like that say, I me no, get sense nah. now. He did tell you, are the one saying it too. So it's me that you will not start insulting yourself. So it's me that has big head. Eh? It's me that is not thinking. Eh? It's me that is foolish. I me no good. I eh? mean, no they think. It's only you that is saying it too. That's what, happened. that's what, that's what, various does. You begin to speak rubbish to yourself. All right. Number three. Okay, the, let me say this. Colossians three thirteen. Write this down. The scriptural way to dealing with quarrel is to be quick to forgive. What did I say? Yeah, be quick to forgive. Colossians three thirteen. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do. Yeah, behave like a Christian. What did I say? Don't behave like somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Be like a Christian. Even if you want to resolve it, go for a peaceful resolution. Peaceful resolution. The process should show that you want peace. Okay? Three, emulation. Everybody say emulation. emulation. The third work of offense is emulation. Write this down. The word emulation comes from two words envy and contentious rivalry. Envy. You know what envy is? Envy is when you are intimidated about somebody else's progress. Where somebody else progress is affecting you. When people are doing well, something is it's as if something is wrong inside you. You're not you're not happy, you're not excited for other people's success. That's been envious. Then contentious means to be troublesome. What did I say? Yeah, when you are contentious, it means you like trouble. You are a troublesome person. So the word emulation is the work of the flesh that has, that comes from envy and Contention or contentious rivalry. Rivalry means competition. Everybody say competition. Everybody, come on. All right, don't let me me lose you. So, emulation simply means an envious and contentious rivalry. Envious and contentious competition or envious and troublesome competition. The way I'm looking at some of you, you may be fighting with emulation while you are there right now. All right. Emulation is an envious. Let's write it down. All right, Emulation is an envious. Emulation is an envious and contentious or troublesome way. Emulation, please write this down so you can go and meditate on it. Eh? Media people, make sure you are writing. You have word note. to. Don't say you are doing media and you are not learning. Emulation is an envious and contentious or troublesome way of thinking, feeling, and behaving. All these things are lifestyle attack. They They try to program the way you think so they can affect the way you act or behave. So emulation is an envious and contentious way of reasoning, feeling, and behaving. Emulation is the work of the flesh responsible for the sense of competition and comparison. That's the work of the flesh. Whenever you hear competition, and that's what is ruling the world today. Competition and comparison. Everybody say we're in a rat race, if you don't know, they'll overtake you. Someone will say, Overtake, overtake, overtake. Be very careful. Because if you get into that contentious and envious rivalry, you are being regulated by the works of the flesh, known as emulation. Let me tell you what it means. Listen to this: to tell you that you and I face emulation trap every day. The opportunity for the entrapment of emulation usually shows up under these circumstances. Are you ready for them? When we see or hear about other people's progress, be careful. Sometimes, not everybody rejoices when people progress. How many of you know that? Talk to me now. Nah. You believe in God to get married. Then you think you are small spiritual. You think, oh, it's only God that knows. And you not see somebody who is not as spiritual as you. Just comes to church the other day. And before you know, gets married and you did it. Then when they say, okay, let's do committee of, uh, what do you call that thing again? <laughs> committee of friends to help. She I will have time. I will have time. It's a lie, oh. She has time or he has time. But what is angry. God, waiting now. Eh? I don't need pray since. This one just come yesterday. What you don't know, that the reason why your prayers is not being answered is because of emulation. Your You are interested in marriage because you want to prove a point. And God does not answer prayers of proving points because it's based on lust. And that's what's hindering God from responding to you. Someone else will just come like, oh Lord, please, I just need your help. Like that sinner. Help me, I'm a sinner. I need your help. And God answers the person because his heart is simple, but yet with your complicated religious, contortions, and you know, conditioned heart, you are just there. You now become old boys' association, old girls' association. See, now we day we don't dare, you just come, you never know. That's emulation talking. When people talk like that, they don't progress. So you just they we don't dare, de- since. We know till they are going here. We know how they run this thing. Now we they rock this stuff. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. It's called emulation. You won't progress that way. So uh, uh, when you see or hear other people, then you not they make from snack statement. Now who first start, now who first finish, now they finish. Have everybody talked like that? Since they first shall become. They'll just quote it, say, the first shall become the last. No booth first start, no booth first get there, provided somebody get there. What's wrong with you? Why don't why you just shut up? Just shut up. If you don't have what to say, go and pray. Pray that God will bless their know, because that's how God is going to lift you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because your heart speaks louder than your mouth. Did you do hear what I said? In the presence of God, because God always looks first at your heart, before he looks at your action. Get it clear. That's why for some of us, when we read people's action, we may write them up, but God says their heart and he will always write them in. Why did God raise Paul, who was Saul before? Because Saul's action was contemptuous. He was wicked. But the heart behind his wickedness was ignorance. He didn't know. He was deceived by religion. So he thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians. So even though his actions were wrong, his heart was informed by ignorance. And God saw it. And later he said, I persecuted the church because I did it in what? Ignorance. But for us, when we, look, we are quick to judge people by action. But never forget this, God sees beyond action and will look at your heart. That person you are writing enough because you have some observation you've made over a period, because we like to fight people like fires in cabinet. I would like to claim that we know them. Nobody, You don't know anybody, shut up. You don't. What do you think you know? So when, when you, what happens to you when you see other people progress or succeed or make achievement? especially when they are doing better than you they they are doing better than you and you're doing the same thing or you want to do the same thing and they are progressing what happens to your heart because it can happen in ministry you can be ministry for a year or for years and somebody just comes yesterday boom what is doing progresses more than you what happens to you when you hear that what happens to your heart what do you say because be very careful at that moment god listens This is the reason why we are fake in the church. We behave hypocrisy. We're not being straightforward. We're not honest. Everybody's looking at each other. When they tell you, how are you? They're not doing it because they love you or they care. They want to find out if you have overtaken them or what's going on in your life. That's what they mean by how are you. What do you they do now? Why are you doing? You may think they're care, but they're interrogating you. Hey, Alpha, where do they walk now? Hey, where do they stay? You get to? you was <laughs> like, What is all these questions? <laughs> you think it's care, it's not care, it's envious, they, are, they are envious. Alright? Emulation can also come when the competition is in a similar profession or a different profession. Somebody just comes next in, is promoted above you. Then next one, they say, See, In this company, only God, the go will save us. Yeah. So people are not dare taste, So go your call. They climb over people's head. God no. Anybody when go anywhere, go planning to against my destiny. Holy Ghost fire. Shut up. You're envious. You think God? God doesn't answer such prayers. Thank God He doesn't answer every stupid prayers. We need to watch out and avoid the entrapment of emulation. Emulation also targets our walking in love towards one another by introducing what is called competitive. Everybody say competitive jealousy. Let me read a statement from Creflo Dollar's book. I saw why I was Holy Spirit spoke that word to me, and I was searching it on the web, and I saw one of his old books he wrote in the 90s. It's called "Exposing the Spirit of Competitive Jealousy." Listen to what he said. Competitive jealousy urges me to compare my clothes, my house, my financial position, or my ministry with others. Are you paying attention? Competitive jealousy drives me to compare myself with someone else. It provokes me to compete for favor, for position, for power, for authority, for influence. Ultimately, the spirit of competitive jealousy will compel me to criticize others in order to make myself feel good. Now we first start, now we finish. Careful. Competitive jealousy can occur in personal relationships. Your junior brother can be doing better than you, and you, the senior brother, all of a sudden, you just find out that the devil is trying to bait you. It was competitive jealousy that made Cain kill Abel. It was competitive jealousy that gave him that demonic mindset. See, God doesn't love you. If God loves you, why did he accept your brother's offering and he didn't accept your own? alright, so you see what's going on now, as long as your brother is alive, your brother will be the stumbling block to your progress, write this down everybody, write this, what I want to say now, write this down nobody, including the devil, is a stumbling block to your progress, except you make them write it down because when Jesus rose from the dead he cleared every stumbling block any stumbling block that is before you today is by your permission, how do I know Ephesians 4:27. give no place to the devil is a resistance to you, is what you give place to. Nobody is a threat to you except you make them. Nobody. Do you know what I said? Nobody's progress, listen to me and listen to me very well. Nobody's success, progress is a threat to you except you make them. Whatever is happening in anybody's life is not a threat to you except you make them. And you can only make them when the works of the flesh, known as emulation, has invaded your mindset. Because it, the devil will convince you that your progress is a threat to your progress. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a threat to your progress. The why would you you that's been here since, how would they just come and be doing They must be doing something. Who told you that they must be doing something? That's the mentality behind anybody that progresses, they must be a drug pusher. Have you heard people talk like that before? Say, not nah, nah drug money, not nah drug money. Not nah drug money. Are you telling me that every progress is drug money? Every progress is Yahoo boys. Is that what you're saying? You better be very careful because commutative jealousy will make you make a blanket statement about anything progressive. Or a church has ah, they don't keep pressing, they don't keep pressing, they don't keep pressing. You are always throwing baseless statements around. I think i need to stop. Uh, we're going to take care of the other four five one in the second service because i want the thanksgiving committee to have time to intimate you with that all right can we just pray let me stop here hallelujah we've looked at three what's the first one yes. very good what's the second one yes. what's the third one yes. very good the fourth one is wrath. Wrath. you will do what we mean by wrath that's where anger metamorphoses to an uncontrolled state the fifth one is tra-
0: Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.